This episode of Fermented Adventure the Podcast is sponsored by Brewskits, handcrafted dog treats made from spent beer grains, oats, barley, and rye. No chemical preservatives, a great source of fiber, and packed with protein. Visit brewskits.com to see the full selection of treats for your dog and your cat. Receive 15% off your first order by typing in two important words, Fermented Adventure, at checkout. Cheers! Ladies and gentlemen, craft spirit enthusiasts, and those interested in the intoxicating world of craft distilleries, cideries, meaderies, wineries, and the occasional foray into breweries. It's Rich Shane, and welcome to Fermented Adventure, the podcast, where we bring you the fascinating people that are making the mash, fermenting, distilling, bottling, pouring, and delivering to you some of the finest libations in the world. Before we get started, here are a few housekeeping items. Thank you for bringing the podcast into wherever you are and whatever you're doing. We truly are grateful that you've chosen to listen and make us part of your day. It would mean the world to us if you left a five-star review. This helps us climb in the rankings and it makes it easier for others to find us. Don't hesitate to leave us your comments as well. If the podcast didn't meet your expectations, tell us why. We're always striving to improve. You can find us at fermentedadventure.com. We are on Instagram and Facebook as Fermented Adventure. Email us at fermentedadventure at gmail.com. All right, FA Nation, let's meet our guests. We're here with Carmel and Jonathan Sennance. I'm Rich Shane. Dawn Ranier is here. And this is Fermented Adventure, the podcast. Now, this has been months in the making to sit down with Duck Butts Meadery. What I want to know, what everyone has on their mind is, how did all of this get started? Uh, long story long. All right, let's go. Because <laughs> you go all the way back to when craft beer first started. Like, yeah. If you remember, it just wasn't really a thing. It was really homebrew. It's 2014. And yeah, but the uh, uh, a friend had some homebrew chocolate beer, which I had never heard of before. Before you could buy uh, craft beer anywhere, so I said... This is something I'd be interested in. I'd love to learn how to make beer besides Bud Miller. Just and, just what's generally right. on the market. Because, yeah. I, yeah, at that time, craft brew wasn't really... I mean, it was still at the home stage. Now, when you say craft brew was just at the home stage, Jonathan, we're talking early 2000s, yes. right? Yeah. Okay. So yeah. you've really been in the craft brew scene. No, it's more just the idea uh, Okay. where I, I wanted to think about brewing for myself... And then uh, the craft beer craze come on. Like first, you would just see a couple guest taps, and then the breweries opened up. And so at some point, I didn't need to make my own beer, but my wife bought me a huge kit at a silent auction as a gift. And it sat in the and basement, it sat in the for, basement for years, years. <laughs> <laughs> because I didn't really have any interest in making it. Uh, and then you know she. Uh, you know, when are you going to make the beer? When are you going to use the kit? And so I started looking into it. Uh, her cousin makes beer at home, and he's pretty further advanced. And uh, so I went over and I looked at it and helped them brew or watched and uh, decided I was too complicated. I just really didn't want to do that. But around the same time, we had taken a trip to Savannah. And we stopped at Savannah Bee Company and did a whole meat tasting. Which was really good, and I just started thinking about. It. I'm like, well, I wonder if the equipment. Savannah Bee Company is a real fun place because mm-hmm. in the bee, in the when you enter in, you've got all the bee, um, the honey for sale. Yep. And then you go in the back, and they've got that great horseshoe yeah. or, or U-shaped tasting area, which is really nice. So just to kind of, we, we've been there as well. Okay. So I can imagine how this becomes exciting for you. Sure. And then once. We- I just did it. Was, it wasn't much research. I just realized the equipment transferred, you know, carbon. Yeah, what was in the and, box and so, we could use to make meat. So we. And then to, COVID and hit. Nobody was making meat yet. I mean, still not too many people. It's, it is coming up, but. And so we just decided to make meat instead of beer. Yeah, to your point, what you're saying is craft mead right now is very much at that same spot mm-hmm. as to when you started yep. to discover craft Absolutely. beer. So you are renaissance people, right? Would well, you sure, consider yourself extent, that? I mean, it's, <laughs> it's, it's, I guess there's enough homebrew meaderies that have a, have achieved yes. commercial. 
Um, but there's not many. I mean, we still have to explain what meat is to people all the time. People think I say meat. Have you have you tried meat? And then, of course, they've tried meat, <laughs> right? But mead is different than meat, certainly. Correct. Now, you saw the transfer. So go back to that experience at Savannah B where you know you, you were tasting things and having things that you may have may not have had before sure I, I it was all new to me uh, I mean I, I was aware meat existed I just you know didn't realize what you could do with it there was you know different varieties that they had different flavorings and it was good I mean I'm uh, I will drink wine I'm not really a wine drinker uh, my wife more. A little bit, uh, a little bit. But um, I mean, I think the nice thing with mead is, and what we found when we were in Savannah was you could have something that was really sweet. So I tend to go more on the sweet side, or you could have something that was more dry, or um, it was a different blend of what you would get from like a Pinot Grigio or something along those lines. So, and just all the different flavors and the different ways that you could brew mead was really kind of exciting for us that you could make your own, so... Now, transfer or take us from Savannah B Company, Savannah Mead Company, to where – was there a conversation? We could make this or wait till we got home and you had this idea planted in your mind. And as you said, you started looking at this home brew kit. All right, well, that'll – we can use that carboy. We can use these parts and pieces and we can start to – we can start to make our own mead. So sure. Well, a lot of it was COVID, right? So we were – stuck in the house for so many months and every time I go down the basement I'm walking past this box that's never been opened <laughs> and we had just gotten back from Savannah probably about six no, no, months no no I'm sorry Charleston uh, well, it wasn't, I'm gonna keep saying Savannah because of Savannah Beast Company but it was Charleston Charleston um, so you were in both Savannah and Charleston or yeah we've been to both okay but the, the time when we first encountered Savannah Beast Company was in Charleston okay um, and we were looking for things to do and because you really couldn't go anywhere. And that's when he started thinking, hey, you know what? Maybe we could make mead from the kit and did the research and started looking on YouTube and following different people there and found out that, hey, we could do this. Um, and we decided if we're going to do this, let's look at some local honeys. So there, uh, we go to Pickering Valley Feed Store for a lot of our pet food. And they sell Exton Bee Honey. So we picked up a couple pounds of Exton Bee Honey and kind of went from there. Kind of went from there <laughs> is like is like that Seinfeld, oh, we picked up some honey, yada, yada, yada. <laughs> well, we did our first one. So our first brew was Maiden Voyage. Yeah, we did a five-gallon batch and then broke it. And broke it? To uh, one gallon. Okay, and then, I'm thinking you yeah. broke it and no, it fell no, on the sorry, floor. No, I mean, and made five gallons of a straight meat and then, then conditioned six. Actually, you get six out by the time you put fruit and such in. Uh, you guys are overachievers because what I would say to that is because I would just be happy making five gallons. But you're already making five gallons. And we're we're going to start to break this up and, like you said, condition oh, yeah, and, I guess, add flavors. Batch. Oh, yeah. I, yeah, I mean, uh, once you do the research... And I'm a little bit creative. I'm also very organized in certain ways. But uh, so once I start thinking about it, like I had thought it all out in my head. And uh, so you called your first batch Maiden Voyage. Yep. Now, how did Duck Butts come to play? How did you get <laughs> that name? So that's a fun story. Well, then it's not really that... I guess unique. Uh, we were actually on vacation up in the Poconos. Um, we were, what, Big Boulder? Is that right? Yeah, that area? Um, and then on the lake, as you would kind of go down to, you know, relax and swim or whatever, there was um, a group of ducks that were there. And they were constantly diving down, you know, to, to get food and whatnot, which I thought was the funniest thing in the world. So I'm taking pictures while we were there, and we kept trying to get them diving down and just started talking about, you know, we had this kid at home and talked about brewing. And, you know, this was years ago. Like, well, you know, if we ever had something, duck butts, nobody would ever have that kind of name. And as we were talking about, you know, making mead, I was like, well, we could do, instead of duck butts brewery, we could do duck butts meadery. 
and did the research. Nobody had the name, and we actually did have a good picture uh, with the ducks on there with their with their tails up. So that, that's kind of where that came that's from. That's how duck butts happened. Mm-hmm. That's how duck butts happened. just trying to catch five ducks with their butts up all the same time. <laughs> <laughs> they just sitting there waiting. You know, four would be up, but one would have his head up, and we eventually got... We don't actually use that picture on the, the label, but the original picture that we were going for with duck butts was five butts in the air. Yeah. There's got to be some sort of magical symbolism or <laughs> reference to the fact that you started out with five gallons on your first batch, and now you had five duck butts uh, in the air. I hadn't considered that. But. Well, there you go. Yes, it's purposely coincidental. So, so maiden voyage, and and I, you know, as I said in the beginning, we've kind of been working to get together and have you on the podcast mm-hmm. as guests, and this is going back, as you said, to August, and from that standpoint. What we're excited about is we love mead and we love the story that we're really here when you guys are in business as toddlers. So you've, 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 you've given birth to the business. You've named your business. You've now gone through the infancy state of figuring out, you know, the different recipes, uh, formulas and, and, and trial and error. And now you're starting to get into that. You know, this is becoming. You know, when you look at each other, this is becoming a real business for you, isn't it? Well, it's more hobby. For me. Okay. <laughs> we'll get you guys together. We'll corroborate your stories. A little bit. So for Jonathan, it's always been a hobby and something that he has a passion about. And he is incredibly creative. We'll have to show you the notebook. We're incredibly organized in how we track everything. But after we've been brewing, our first brew was August 3rd of 2020. We first did Maiden Voyage when we first kind of put the whole thing together in that five-gallon container. Um, and then when it came out, even young, it was good. Um, we've since I'm not as patient as my husband is, and I've since learned that the older it is, the better the meat is. Um but we started as kind of, you know, we'll talk about what went well and some th- lessons that we learned. But some of our stuff is really good. Like, we've gotten really good feedback. This from is like you're a parent. We, our, our kids are yeah. beautiful. They're smart. <laughs> they're talented. They'll be anything they want. Your mead is really good, smart, beautiful, talented, and creative. And they'll be anything you ever want them to be. Well, and I think we're kind of to the point where we've got a couple that were like, Got great feedback on. We think they're they're good. That this year I want to start entering into contests, and having you here helps to give unrelated uh, opinions on whether or not what we think is good really is. Good. Is this where we throw in the disclaimer? We are not related. We've yes. never met before. <laughs> you know, nothing up my sleeve. Anything else? Yeah. Right. Good. Now you had mentioned some, I guess, some trial and error things. Oh yeah. Talk about that experience because this really, I think, for the listener, gives insight to, you know, when you're in home brewing, whether it's beer or cider or wine, we can't do home distillation yet, but there's plenty of equipment out there you can buy and do as long as the neighbors don't turn you in. (laughs) Where you are now, you're at that point where I think people are very fascinated to maybe for 2022 make this their new hobby or want to discover new meaderies and what they're producing as well. So talk about some of those trial and error experiences that you had. Um, mostly on that one. Uh, like, Patience. Yeah. the I, When I first started researching people, with, they said, start simple. Just make a mead. Don't get too crazy. Don't get, you know, walk before you or crawl before you can walk, whatever. I'm not doing that. <laughs> <laughs> So some of them I launched right at something that I'm like, you know what? This is weird. Nobody's done it. I'm going to try it. And I haven't had anything that's completely undrinkable yet, but there's definitely been some that are not not great. Um, One that I have actually out there is uh, I looked on Untapped and looked up meads, and I just went by rating, and I'm like, what's the best mead on Untapped? And some meadery had one that was uh, cashew blueberry. I said, well, I'm going to do that. So I... Which, to me, Jonathan sounds delicious. Same to me. Okay. (laughs) Unfortunately, when I, I, you know, I did the nuts, I did the blueberries. And then while it was fermenting, I was watching something on YouTube and nuts came up. And they said, oh, well, you have to do this nuts or else it could go rancid. Didn't know that. So I had... 
Well, not that it went rancid. It didn't go rancid. It just it's didn't just turn out. It's just not delicious. <laughs> it, it got kind of high octane. Uh, you don't really taste the cashews. I put a little bit of salt in there. That kind of overwhelmed it. It's okay. It's rock gut. Rock gut meat. If you've never had rock gut meat, I have bottles of it. <laughs> we, we haven't had that in our experience yet. What I love about your story, even so now, look, you're going to have those times, but they're going to make you more experienced and have a better understanding of your product moving forward. Yeah. You've got to make a couple of bad batches or you've got to learn from, hey, you need to do this to nuts if you're going to do. And I have to say, I'm trying to think in all of our trips if we've seen any meads with nuts. And I don't I recall, remember. not that I recall. I mean, no. I, I So that's something different right there. I mean, we, we've certainly had fruit infused or fruit flavored meads, mm -hmm. um, herb coffee. or coffee, things like that. But that's why I said, when you said blueberry cashew, I'm like, well, that's unique. I've mm -hmm. never, I've never seen anybody do that before. You're learning as you go. And look, for you, as you stated, this is a passion. If you do a bad batch of mead, it's okay. If a business or a real, you know, established meadery does a bad batch of mead, that's money down the drain right. that needs to go to their insurance and their overhead and all those things. Talk about for where you are now, some of those other than your own personal tastings, talk about those aha moments or those moments where you said, you know what, we're on to something. This is really good. Oh, I would say Lady Diana. The not... So uh, no, not I'm, not I'm, Lady Di. So yeah. she she didn't make it. <laughs> <laughs> she did not. So in part of our maiden voyage, uh, we did um, one of the breakoffs uh, was a berry mead, which was it's a blend of blueberry and raspberry. And when we redid that, uh, we did some changes for that, right? No, no, really. No, it's still it's the same. Just, mm -hmm. Um, the only difference was it we we maiden voyage was always going to be maiden voyage. There was never going to be another one. So when we redid it, we gave it a new name, but it's still that raspberry blueberry that came off of the maiden voyage. Yeah, and we're still making that now. It's I think one of our best flavors, um, and it's actually named after a friend of ours who survived cancer, which was pretty cool. It was oh, her that's plan. awesome! Yeah. Well, she gave it when we did maiden voyage was when they found out. And she was about to go through some pretty hard times, we knew. So I called over and I said, pick a flavor. We're going to make it and it's going to be celebratory. By the time it's done, you'll be done all your all your treatments and everything and you'll be better. And so we made it and she did her treatments and she came through like a champ and turned out to be our basically one of our best meads and it was actually her suggestion it wasn't ours that's just makes the story even better yeah so because we, you're sharing everything and people's successes and it just raises everything up to another level doesn't it yeah mm -hmm. and so when we named the actual mead uh, her name was diana so we named it lady diana as as a reference or you know for her giving us the idea I, I'm like, I got chills. Yeah. That is such a great story. Now, also, obviously, it sounds like you're sharing this with friends and family, close mm -hmm. people to you. Was that somewhere where you received that positive feedback that this is good? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. I would think um, our friends and family <clears throat> are definitely ones that are pushing us to do more with this. Um, and uh, I think would like to think that they're being candid with their feedback um, for that. Even my sisters made the shirt, which was kind of nice for a Christmas present. Um, but yeah, we've got some good, I mean, people have been honest. So there's sometimes that people have tried things and they're like, not, not my cup of tea, not something that I would like. Um, so I'll tell you what, if you really want to get a sense of how committed they are to you growing the business, start asking for money. <laughs> if they show up with checks and cash. We're not licensed yet to ask for <laughs> yeah, money. And that's, so. that's actually one of those things, like you keep saying that as a business. And I try to point hobby because we do get that where people will contact us, even people we don't know, you know, because of Untapped or Facebook or Instagram or whatever. Um, and they'll want to buy it. And, you know, we have to tell them no. You know, and then they want it for free, and we have to tell them no. <laughs> yeah. Either way, you're saying no. Trade. No, no, we give it away. <laughs> well, I guess my question to you is, I mean, 
because we're you know we're part of that community mm-hmm. that really loves and appreciates what you do. Where do you see the next levels, or what are the next steps for Duck Butts Metering? For me, <laughs> right? So I'm the one who has us on social media. I'm kind and, of, and our, we see like you're, yeah. you're hey, you're, there's a new bottle, there's a new batch. You're talking about some things that are coming up. So there's yeah. an anticipation. Hopefully. So we're on Facebook, we're on Instagram, we're now on Twitter um, for and on Untapped as well. And for me, like I said, I want to enter some contests uh, this year. There's a few that we're looking at, hopefully, that come up later in the year. Um, we'll be trying some stuff hopefully later on today. I'll get your opinions on some things that I want to enter. But then I think <clears throat> we have to get licensure. Right. So one of the things that I want to do is spend more time talking to local businesses like Joshua Estates, uh, because I know they're very similar to what we are in terms of working from home, working in the same county, in the same town, uh, to get some insights on how they got started and, and what they're doing. I uh, really appreciate the fact that that's still husband and wife business. Like they didn't take on corporate money, which we very much would want if we go in that direction to, at least at this point in time, stay it's our business, not to take on investors. But you don't know where that goes. So I would say Dressler Estates is a good model. Yeah. Very similar to yours. The same idea, the home production side of things. Mm-hmm. And then they went out and they found a home that had a separate garage for them so they could create their own individual production facility out of there. Right, right. So, I mean, you've got a nice piece of property here, whether it's here or you look to do it at another location. Those seem to be those next steps that are in reach for you if that's the way you choose to go. Yeah, and I like how they, you know, went to farmer's markets for distribution and kind of built up their business from there. And, you know, um, again, from listening to your podcast, you know, understand what they were doing during COVID and having people coming into the home, you know, just for pickups and the, the delivery kind of thing. So, I mean, I don't think this is something that we ever see, at least now, as this is going to be our get rich, live the rest of our lives at this point in time. Again, we both work full-time jobs, but I think as a hobby, I think there is an opportunity that maybe we could start to make some money back for what we've invested into it so we can kind of produce more. So We've recently met with Old Bedford Brewing Company, and part of that conversation is the brewery became their retirement jobs. Okay. So they set a runway where... They were able to transition out of their, hey, these is our, these are our career jobs. And now this is their even more all consuming career job, but they love it. And it sounds to me like where that could go for both of you. If we went into business, I would see it be more of that kind of a trajectory mm-hmm. as opposed to quitting our jobs and trying to, you know, that's not going to happen. And we're not young. I mean, you know, maybe a lot of, uh, People that get into homebrew are younger, you know, and they have more time, but we're not that far away from retirement. So, yeah, over a certain amount of time, I, I could see it become a retirement kind of thing. Jonathan, what's an interesting point that you make, and you've both mentioned COVID on the podcast as we've interviewed so far, and COVID for a lot of people has given so many different ways for them that they're looking at life. They're looking at their career. They're looking at their home life. They're looking to start hobbies and passions. And all of a sudden, those hobbies and passions become, wow, this is really something. I'm sure if you were to have said 15 years ago, oh, would we be beginning a a home-based or a hobby that might include down the road a business that would be mead-related? Would you have even guessed that that would have been something? Absolutely not. I would have never had the time. Yeah, I still don't. <laughs> to me, it was always a hobby. You know, it never occurred to me to even try to make it a business. That's caramel. Well, I want to say it's right. after Maiden Voyage. So, although I had to be a little bit more patient after we first bottled. And once it got a little uh, aged a little bit more, it's it was good. And we got good feedback. And that's when I was like, you know what? I think this could be something. Um and I hate to disappoint the people who like to drink our mead. So, um, you know, I think there's there's something we can do with this. So. Okay. Here's what we're going to do. We're going to take a break. When we come back, we're going to taste your meads. We'll talk about them and go from there. Is that okay? Sounds, Sounds good. good. Brew skits. 
Beer, grain, dog, bones, brewskits. Your dog will go wild. Brewskits. Beer, grain, dog, bones, a healthy alternative for your pup. Brewskits are all natural and made in the USA. Visit brewskit.com. That's B-R-E-W-S-C-U-I-T.com. We're back, and we have a table full of mead. We've got glasses everywhere. What did you say? We're playing mead roulette or yeah, something? like duck, duck roulette, yeah. Duck roulette. That's, I think that's a whole different dish, <laughs> duck Could roulette. Be. Now, I'm excited, and we talked a little bit about some of the inceptions of the different flavors and your different experiences. Before we jump into this one, you mentioned something about your strawberry mead and your strawberry mead experience. Yeah, that was a... uh, Lesson learned. Yeah, it goes into the lesson lesson learned categories. When we first started brewing in August of 2020, everything went good. You know, maiden voyage worked good. Uh, Normally, I would... We would uh, make the brew in the kitchen and then put it in the basement, let it ferment, let it condition. Didn't really, and we don't use any um, enzymes or preservatives. preservatives or anything like that. I'm still learning that. I know you need to do that to get a consistent product, but right now these are all just honey and fruit and whatever other ingredient was in there. But we made a strawberry mead, and it was more in the winter time. And put it down in the basement. And uh, as things were going good, especially Carmel's a little more not patient, <laughs> our, we were speeding things up, you know, as uh, bottling got. So we, well, we bottled this de- strawberry. We did de- degas it. Yeah, we degassed it and everything. It was done, but we brought it up here. And I've talked to some real brewers. And consensus is... We didn't say what happened yet. Well, one night... He's building the story. You're, you, you know what? You're right. Carla, you're not patient. Even him telling his story is like, get to the punchline. You would not be good to go to see a comedian. No. Because they build it up. You're like, come on, come on, come on. What's the punchline? Yeah, so 1130 at night on a Sunday, I'm sitting in the living room and we just looked at the wine rack we have out there. And these bottles were in the wine rack. And it was raining really uh, hard that night. And all of a sudden, pop! And I hear this liquid. And I didn't know what it was. And a cork had fired out of the wine rack. Oh, my God. And bounced off the curtains on the other side of the room. Holy cow! And was all over the floor. And I thought something leaked, like the the roof had sprung a leak because of the rain. And, you know, I had to turn the lights on. And I'm like, what is going on? I'm looking around. And it, it shot 10 feet across the room. I had mead everywhere. This strawberry meat, and so the barometric pressure, I guess, because of the rain, restarted the fermentation. Oh my god! That temperature variance between the basement in the winter time as opposed to the basement in the late summer yep. was enough. I get that, as far as we can tell, that that was enough to keep them quiet until I brought it upstairs. So the 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 the, the, the sugars, the sugars, there were still some residual sugars left and we don't and use the, preservatives right so the meat or the yeast, the yeast woke just up. reactivated see this is why again for me having these conversations we get to learn more people get to hear about your experiences and learn more about hey mead making why it is what it is learning about mead the same thing you spoke about with your cherry mead how the first time you use the dried cherries mm-hmm. and then the next time you use and they're two they look and they probably are two different they're two different meads they're two different products mm-hmm. oh, absolutely one of, in that case the the first batch is more like a light version of the uh, the second batch so you're getting at least one cork shooting out was that it or were well, no oh no <laughs> then we didn't the, know uh, what was going on yet later on that week in the kitchen we were having dinner one of the small bottles, which we keep in the boxes in the kitchen there, one of them decided to fire straight up. And at that point, I pulled every strawberry one we had, took them down the basement, put them in a five-gallon can, and pulled the corks on them. And every one of them exploded as I pulled the corks Oh, down. no. They all turned into champagne. <laughs> so we basically lost all of it. All right. You've got your sparkling mead line. Mm-hmm. You know, your, your sparkling Absolutely. strawberry mead I- you're on to something. Maybe you have invented something. I don't know. I don't know. Well, and then we had another one do it a little while later. And that was one I, that had been bottled for months. All of a sudden, just fired a cork across the room. So, 
again, that one I went through every one and pulled all the corks. And I actually went out and bought little tiny bungs that'll fit in top inside of bottles and put airlocks in all the bottles and have them sit in there and let them finish doing whatever they were doing before I put corks back in. All right. So this is if you come to Duck Butt's Meadery, come with some hazard wear because <laughs> you never know when a cork's going to go, right? Right. Well, it's been, oh, it's got to be at least since last winter. Yeah. that I've had a cork block. Well, we learned that once we're, before we're going to bottle them, right, when we bring them up, we've got to let them sit for like a month up here on the on the first floor of the house so that the temperature variates and then degas them, what we were doing before the opposite. We'd bring them up, degas them, bottle them without giving them time to sit, so. Yeah, that's actually what those two sitting on the desk there. They're, they're degassing. Well, they, I brought them up to bottle and... I was leaving them sit for you know a couple of weeks up here, and I noticed uh, they a ring of bubbles. They they basically reactivated when we brought them up. So I just put them on the desk and let them do what they were going to do. They've been sitting there for a while now. I'm pretty sure they're done now. But if I had bottled them when I brought them up, that you'd would be, be corks, corks flying everywhere. <laughs> yeah. For you again, this is you have time to learn, and if it does become something larger for you. You've already had those experiences now where you're farther ahead if you just wanted to dive in, as some people do. Uh-huh. They go, hey, I made my first mead. I made my first cider. I made my first beer. Everybody loved it. I'm going out and I'm getting investors and I'm raising thousands of hundreds of thousands of dollars. And then they have these experiences on large equipment, paying leases and paying overhead. You're learning all this stuff as you go. Sure. And then... It gives you that catapult or that springing of the quirk to get you farther along than you were. One of the things I've been doing is I've enjoyed the nose on this first expression that you poured. It's very, I get on the nose, it's very heavy. I love just the, you almost get this heavy honey in the nose. Does Mm -hmm. that make sense? Yeah. And then you get the herbaceousness. And I think what you had talked about was this was your maiden voyage. Yep, this is maiden voyage. And so talk about this one that we're going to try first. Uh, when we originally did the Maiden Voyage, we broke it into, I guess, four different flavors. Uh, it was six gallons, but so we did uh, just a straight traditional mead. We didn't do anything to it, just put it in bottles. We did ginger. We did two versions of ginger. So there was ginger one and ginger two. This one's ginger one. And we did we the berry. Did the berry. And, and we did two of those. And we did an apple. Yep. Um, and the only ones we have left is pretty much this one in the traditional. The traditional is so, kind of so. This bland. is our. This is what we're having is our first mead. Our first mead. Your first mead. That's mm-hmm. ginger. And what my experience has been while we've been talking about the strawberry experience and the bottle pop, the bottle corks popping, is you 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 first get the ethanol there. Once that clears, you get the heaviness, the 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 wonderful smell, the herbs of of, of the honey. And then that ginger really yeah. starts to come through as this warms, as the air hits it. And this is a nice experience. And I don't know how, you know, your friends come over or the people that you're sharing it with. What, what, how do you take them through a mead tasting experience if they've never had it for the first time? Kind of like this. Yeah. Like we'll just pull a few that we think that they'll like and uh, see, see where it goes. So, and it, and it depends. And some of our friends are honest. They'll just be like, no, nah, that's not for me because we have other stuff. Yeah, I'm not too happy with the fact that there's a lot of gas in this, but you can tell it's our first one. You know, I would, you know, here, you're going to be it the biggest. It almost looks intentional, but it's not. You're going to be the largest critique. You know, it, it, as we are with everything, we are our worst own critique in some sure. ways. But that's what helps you improve or work to get to the level where you want to be. I look at this. And there's a wonderful straw color to this. And you do get those small little tiny mm-hmm. bubbles, which kind of dance on the tongue, which I think also mix with the spiciness and the heat that you would find in the ginger. I get, I will, and Dawn, you can kind of share your experience here um, about how you feel, but we have had ginger meads. And I think for the most part, we tend to be less than, we were hoping for more, right? We love ginger. We love that flavor. We love the the punch, the spiciness of ginger. And I feel that this really comes through and provides us, for me, with if I'm going to want to try a ginger mead, this is what I'm looking for. Wow, thank so you. So this is delicious. 
Thank you. Yeah, right. I actually like knew, when I nosed it, I could I could definitely taste or nose the ginger, which I really liked, and it does. It has like the perfect amount of ginger flavor to it for me. Thank you, you get oh, you get nice. the I ginger that too much. No, no, well, you I, get that ginger, and then what I find is that that and, and, and I'm going to say syrupy. Um, the viscosity of the honey yep. kind of works its way, and it dances back and forth between the ginger, the honey, and one of the beautiful things is we were just at Bar Hill, um, Caledonia Spirits, Bar Hill Gin, and we talked about gin and juniper, and with craft gin today, a lot of what we look at as far as new American gin is that they're making the, the botanicals, right? They're taking... 51% or a higher portion of the juniper berries, and then they're adding the botanicals, lemon, lime, all those things that they may want to add, the spices. With honey, and where the bees are flying around, you're getting all these different flavors imparted into the honey. Mm -hmm. So for your need, it's going to be unique to where you source your honey from, yep. and that's going to impart, again, a whole different flavor profile than somebody that might be getting, let's say, their honey from three or four miles away. Absolutely. So talk about your sourcing of your honey. Talk about, we know where we're getting our ginger from. Are you consistent on being able to source your honey? Yes. They um, When we started we are this, now, yeah. this is extant bee honey, I so, believe. Yeah, maiden voyages. Uh, and then as, you know, honey can be pricey. And we were working off a small uh, jars to make five gallons. I think we needed like 15 pounds. So it was a little much. So then we bought a whole bunch of BJ's honey. And that was... It wasn't terrible. No, it's just that uh, <laughs> we, we bought it more as like to have a cheap supply of honey. And then we found this Swarm Busters honey, which is out in... West Grove. West Grove. You said Swarm Busters. Swarm Busters. Busters. All right, I love yeah. that yeah. name. Yeah, yeah Swarm Busted. They're an ape... Swarm Busted, mm -hmm. I'm sorry. Um, and they have a selection of of local stuff nothing fancy you're not going to get like orange blossom or avocado but they have a fall wildflower they have you know buckwheat they have uh, a golden nectar and we can buy somewhat in bulk they do sell in bulk which will bring the price down to actually close to you know uh, Walmart prices if you you just gotta buy you know bulk. five gallon pails mm -hmm. of it here is the beauty of this for you right now it's it's still it's it's, it's that learning process as to where you can get to that next place, you can start to source different honeys from different places and really hone in on that flavor profile that you're happy yep. about consistently over and over again. Well, and even though we went to BJ's, one of the things that we wanted to do <clears throat> is we wanted the honey to be local, right? Because they're as you said, it's picking up the local flowers and the fruits from the particular area. Mm -hmm. So in Exton Bee Honey. Um, he has hives all over the place, um, but he doesn't have a, he sells in a lot of different places or she, I'm not really sure. Um, but there isn't a storefront with swarm busting. We actually kind of came across them. My dad used to be a beekeeper a long, long time ago. Oh, so this is in your genes. This, <laughs> kind this, of, this yes. is in your oh, blood. There were days and my siblings can tell you where we used to jar at the table. But when he passed, um, my mom donated a lot of his old equipment to the guys at Swarm Busters. So I was kind of familiar with them. And we started getting into this. I was like, I know they sell because I know my mom would pick up jars from there once in a while. So just going through their website, we were ordering. And then as we decided to buy larger they're not that far. They're right in West Grove. So why pay for UPS shipping? Let's go see. No, them. and, and you, you get, get to, you get to meet the people. Yeah. They meet you. You and in a lot of cases, um, Hale and True, um, that's a cidery in Philadelphia. That's a lot of the way that they develop their connections mm -hmm. with the people that are growing the apples. Now for them, it's a collaboration. Yeah. And they know what they want, and the you know everybody is doing that together. Jonathan, you're looking around like, I'm what do you want to do next? I was going to fill the, fill the, <laughs> fill the next glasses. I haven't had this one in a little bit. Okay, and, um, this one's actually the the ginger actually smoothed out a lot. It did. It, it, I'm it actually was much harsher before. I would tell delicious. you again, that's delicious. Who you're sharing it with does get to have such a wonderful experience. To me, I'm I'm thinking. All right, that's paired nicely with cheese. With, with a chicken, like a roasted yeah. chicken dish, um, pork. I mean, because I always look at it, 
there are other things besides, all right, this is not just maybe a dessert wine or a dessert beverage. As some people look at mead to be, you can yeah. really start to look at this and how can I pair this with dinner and just enjoy this with different things. I love the color on this one. Yeah, this one's a lot younger though. So what did you pour us now? This is uh, my take on, uh, I guess you would say it's a juniper mead. I was trying to push something towards gin but without it being gin. So I actually like tried to get a high octane out of this one or a high ABV rather. So got it up to like 16 and a half percent for a mead, which is kind of That's high. pretty strong. Yeah. And, that'll, uh, that'll welcome itself and say, how do you do? It sure so will. Most people I know don't like gin. Uh, the handful of people that do like gin have liked this. So Now, I, so, so a... this is infused with juniper berries. Juniper mm-hmm. berries. Now, this is basically your standard, the honey that you would new, use on all across the board. Uh, this is actually a full wildflower other than a, just a golden. Okay. Sense. And again, I think that like as you, as you try different things and different honeys, that could be totally different every time. Oh, absolutely. Time. Absolutely. There's... Um... We've tried some things with buckwheat honey, and it's a very, very strong flavor. That mixing it with other fruits or other um, uh, other ingredients, it's still so overwhelming that it's just it's a better on its own as a mead versus trying to make it a melomel or something else that's a conglomeration of something. So this tastes barrel aged to me. Does it? Yes. I think I may have oaked this one. Okay. Now what I get, Which I do get that oak, and I get some earthiness to this. And I think what the barrel aging does is it brings down the heavy honey notes that would be presenting themselves right away in a mead, but really lets you go through that that those different warmer notes. Even even a little bit of um like a citrus, like an orange spice to this, um, some some vanilla there. That really plays yeah, maybe from the oak. That really plays differently than this is. This is why. Look, we get to go on the journey with you now. You yeah, know? this one I didn't intend to when I started it. I think when I got at a certain point and I was just learning that oaking was a thing, there was like something missing from this. So I'm like, mm, let me try oaking. So I oaked part of it, and the oaked part came out better than the non-oaked part. So I just oaked all of it. If this is one of those meads that you're looking to enter into competition, or if you haven't thought about it, I would suggest this is this is a grand slam. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, thank you. This oh, is fantastic. You. Yeah, I just made. This you sound surprised. Well, I would have. This was a mistake. This. I just wanted to see what they would <laughs> say. Because of the tasting of the barrel age, this would be something he would. Yeah. It's and for you, Dawn, this is not over oaky. No, this it's is not. not over barrel. No. I get the. Um, the, the spiciness or the the, the um, I get a little bit of pininess mm-hmm. from the juniper but more of a warming pininess and like more of a, like a mint on the palate oh interesting or a spearmint on the palate picks but, a lot up but then it comes into <laughs> um, some some cherry or plum just a plum. dark a plum. right just a yeah. dark rich flavor that right. just one this is wonderful I'm like a blind person. <laughs> okay. <laughs> yeah, I'm not as good as me. I taste the juniper berries and the oak. Yeah. That's about it. You know, I don't have that kind of a palate. Where I see this is this is a beautiful sipping mead that mm-hmm. you can just... We started to venture into cigars for fermented adventure. Okay. I would love just to sip this, have a nice... I'm, I'm still Connecticut shade, so that's a very mild cigar. That's as sure. far as I'm going. But sitting out, you've got this beautiful back porch area. I'm going to encourage you to get some live music. Open up a couple <laughs> of these bottles. Just sip this with a little cigar. It's summertime. Yeah. This is beautiful. This is really yeah. beautiful. This is wonderful. Thank you. So two great needs so far. And you're, you're really not nice. and, and you're <laughs> And you're just a hobby. <laughs> We'll see. This one's actually good. This one, I'm, I'm the, the biggest critic. This is the cherry critic. one. Um, this is one of those, and I save this. So this is one of the nice things for this. I can go back to this and see how this plays a little bit farther in just allowing the air to hit it, letting it warm up, letting those oils to kind of play around. And I'm just, I'm just, I'm curious to see how that comes out as just letting it sit for a little bit. Now you mentioned you're on Untapped. Yes. 
How does that work for somebody that's producing need for a hobby? I think I need to contact them because you <laughs> okay. can, like, on Untapped. I'm going to talk to those people. That's a little challenging. Yeah, to... they, when you you can enter a beer, like if you try a beer and it's not on Untapped as a, a user, you can enter it. Right. Yourself. If we go to a brewery and we don't see that they put like it could be a new release, yeah. not right. on Untapped, we enter it and then. Other people can comment on sure. it. Sure. And it's the same thing when we do this. I'm just entering it as a new thing. But I had to set up the brewery itself. The problem is I don't have any control over Untapped. In other words, like once I put something on there, I can't touch it. It's it's out of my hands. So I have to sit there and proofread it and make sure I have it right and everything, all the numbers are right. And then I'll put it up. But I'm going to assume... That Untapped has some way for me to how to, how know, is it that control you it? then can get how are people commenting on what you're putting on Untapped? Oh, it's just us. Yeah, right, right <laughs> just now us it's just friends. us. It's we, amazing. We All of your needs are five stars and rave reviews, <laughs> and everybody loves your need. No, not me. I'm 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 the harshest critic. And plus, a lot wow, of you, you put young. your own need up to one star. <laughs> yeah, wow. no, I've never done that. But, but, um, not yet, but. When I do put them up, you know, obviously your first uh, rating is going to be something where it's super young. So, like, right off the bat, it's, I'll have to put it, it's young, you know, because I don't know where it's going to go. Okay. In in a year. We've only been doing it a a little over a year. Yeah. I think the maiden voyage is... January 3rd will be a year that it's bottled. Yeah, that it was bottled. So, it's Mm -hmm. just hitting a year. So... Well, even some of the stuff that we bottled yesterday... Um, when we put it on untapped was, and I think it was the raspberry one. It's good, but it just needs a little time. Okay. It'll be better. So this that you poured, I get on the nose. It just smells like a wonderful port to me. Mm -hmm. And I get cherry notes, almost like a a port and a Chambord kind of coming together for, for this. So talk about what you poured for us here. This is one of this is actually Carmel. She yeah. she came up with this one and and made this one on her own. This is our second generation of it. Yeah, this is just a little pinprick. This is our cherry mead. Just a little pinprick. This is homage to Pink Floyd. Yes. So um, always a fan. So we also have Two Lost Souls, which is the uh, the one we we may be trying later. That was the 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 almond one, or not the almond one, the uh, cashew cashew one. Uh, but a lot of, most of our meads are named after a lyric from a song or something that kind of pops in our heads. We literally have a notebook that we have in the kitchen, which is all the recipes. Um, but as we're kind of sitting around eating dinner, watching TV, having a couple cocktails in the evening, if something kind of pops in our head, we're like, well, oh, that'd be like an interesting name. It goes in the book. And as we're brewing or when we get to bottling, it's coming, okay, let's go through the book and figure out what name fits this mead. Uh, so, yeah. While we have been talking about that, I went back to nose your juniper mead. And what starts to come out is this wonderful piney scent to it that okay. I really am enjoying now too. So, if I know you don't think this is like – this for you is not one of your – like. Eh, we'll just make it. We'll kind of serve it with people like it. But I really think you should take a second look at this. Okay. This is nice. Too. Yeah, yeah, I'm not. I'm not a fan of gin. I like the idea that we talked about a little bit earlier. Yeah, you're gonna make that make duck knees. Cocktail. You're gonna make that duck's knees cocktail. Yes, we can make a cocktail. Jonathan likes it. And again, people who like gin have said it's good. So that maybe one we'll have to uh, redo and, and put into a cocktail. All right, just a little pinprick. Yep. Talk about this a little bit. This is your second iteration of the cherry. Yes. Well, you can explain it probably a little bit better than I can. Yeah, this one uh, was actually Carmel's. Uh, and honestly, this is one of the ones we did with, um, uh, like, BJ's Honey. This is mm-hmm. nothing fancy. And it for BJ's Honey, it came out pretty good. Mm-hmm. I think if you say BJ's Honey one more time, you owe them money. <laughs> I mean, it's a royalty or something. <laughs> they should be paying me. <laughs> but uh, the first time we made it, it came out good. Uh, but we used dried cherries and cherry juice. You know, cherry juice and dried cherries. And then this time, we, we had we good... whole cherries. Yeah, we had good res- uh, reactions to that one, so we decided to do it again. But we used fresh cherries, like, I guess, Bing cherries. or And, you know, cut them up and pitted them and put them in. And the, the it's it night and day. That's the only difference between the first and the second one is dried cherries. Same juice, same everything. Same, same honey, same yeast. Uh... 
but and you've seen the color difference it went from pink to deep red mm-hmm. and the mouthfeel like it, it's just hardier I wonder and you guys are big fans of wine you like wine a little bit too I wonder if you poured this for a guest at your house but didn't tell them what this was what their reaction would be and what they think it would be yeah that'd be curious I don't mm-hmm. know because it's definitely sweet it has sweet notes, but it's not as sweet as you project it to be on the palate. Right. And there's a lot of, I get almost, like, you know, you get that dryness where you get some of the tannins from a wine. Yeah. I get some of that from this, but I also get in my, you know, as as the palate transfers to the mind, I get almost like the cherry skins versus the cherry flesh, which do have two different flavor profiles. Absolutely. And this is just where I would say this is – you've made three wonderful – you've provided us with three wonderful meads so far. But this one, again, all three are nice sippers that can stand on their own and just to be enjoyed. And to me, like I said, I smelled this. My first nose on this was like a port. Yeah. But it's got a lot of deep, ruby, rich, red, bold characteristics of somewhere where you'd like to say, well, that's that's kind of wine-like. That's that's a nice little drinking mead there. Thank you. <laughs> you seem so surprised, Jonathan. Again, you're like my palate isn't that. I good. mean, we don't share the same DNA, so you know. <laughs> no, my palate, and I'm the harshest critic. So, although I'm not critical of this one, this one, in fact, when we first had this first generation, and we gave our friend, we we went over, we gave uh, Diana the the maiden voyage. We had this. By that time as well. So we gave them a bottle of, of the uh, raspberry blueberry and a bottle of the cherry. And then they drank the raspberry blueberry. They really enjoyed it. And then I'm going to say a month later, something, uh, my buddy texted me. Apparently the daughter's boyfriend came over and drank the entire bottle of the cherry and he never got any of it. So she <laughs> stole the boyfriend. We don't know. He is. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But uh, we, have, we have one more fan. I know that. And, and apparently uh, the daughter... You know, he asks her every once in a while when when we're going to get more meat. Oh, okay. So. so he's sticking around just so he can get more meat. Probably. Probably. <laughs> I would love to have this with some lamb. Yes. With some steak. Yeah. Just Definitely. this would be something to enjoy that way. This is delicious. It really is good. I'm hoarding glasses now. <laughs> I have to finish one of these, right? No, we have more glasses. We have more. No, they're, and they're, they're potent. I mean, I'm still saving. I'm still going to keep going back to this gin one. That's why we were going to share in the beginning because we know what it right. is. <laughs> You're like, no, don't share. Yeah, and it's funny because, uh, you know, having mead more regularly now, it's an interesting the way it hits you. Yeah. It's not like wine and it's not like beer. You know, it, some ways I find it hits fast and then goes away. You know, like an hour later you feel like normal again, you know. <laughs> I, no one's ever told me that I'm normal. normal now. <laughs> okay, now. Again, I'm going, I'm going to keep doing this. I'm These going back to mine, this right? juniper. Yep, this yeah. I'm going back to this juniper. And, you know, it's like, it's like when you nose like a, a nice wine or a bourbon or a whiskey, even now I'm getting like, have you ever been to an old bookstore yes. where it has that wonderful smell? Yes. I'm almost like I'm in an old bookstore now with this. Okay. Yeah. I mean, where you get the, I guess the the, the paper and the the, it, it the nose keeps right. changing, right? It does. Yeah, it's the same. That's me. Mm-hmm. It's yeah. actually more subtle now, for me anyway. All right, what are you uh, pouring this now, is Jonathan? Carmel's holiday. Yeah. This is King of Jingling. Uh, cool. This is King of Jingling. Yeah. So now this one's in homage to the uh, Christmas special for Rudolph the Red Nosed Reindeer. <laughs> so when Santa first comes to meet Rudolph when he's a baby. And the first song he sings is I'm the King of Jingling. So because it's a holiday mead, I wanted something Christmassy, but everything I was thinking of, I'm a huge fan of Christmas specials, all those Rudolph Red News Reindeer, Santa Claus coming to town. But everything I looked up on Untapped oh, like was that. already taken. <laughs> <laughs> and so I kind of just was doing some research and I came up with King of Jingling uh, for this one. So you see Santa's pictures on the side, on the on the label there. Oh, there well. you go. There you go. Talk about right now for you, even as a a hobby home enthusiast, how you're sourcing bottles and your process for doing that. You mentioned, hey, now you're buying labels professionally done versus doing them on your home printer. 
What's it just like just sourcing corks for you now and bottles and things like that? Uh, brewer supply. Okay. You know, yeah. they, the, the, uh, Keystone supply. Keystone homebrew. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. They, uh, they have a really good selection of bottles. I haven't been up there in a while. I'm not afraid to like, it's not close to us. So I will fill my car up and with boxes and just bring bottles home, but we're not averse to reusing them either. Uh, if people give them back or if we, we have do something encourage else, people to return them. <laughs> you know, I have repurposed other wine bottles. It, it just depends. I try to keep on each batch the bottles the same. And, and depending on how much I like the mead will depend on how good of a bottle you get. <laughs> you know, you get the if 750 mil versus the smaller bottle. Or right? just like you get the retread Reuniti bottle as opposed to getting a nice that's, that's nice. I'm loving this. Yeah? Oh, my God. All right. So talk about King Jing- King of Jingling. So we started this in February. I don't want to say... I'm going to say it. I keep wanting to say and hopefully I don't mess up King of Dingling, but that's yeah. a whole different need. <laughs> you can sing the song. Okay. The whole my dingling thing? No. King oh, jingling. no. It's actually... Never mind. We're going off the rails now. So we started this in February and it started as... Um, well, kind of going back to Maiden Voyage, one of the things I was thinking of when we made that and doing the smaller bottles is holiday gifts for people. So I have a sales team. We have family that we exchange gifts with. So, you know, there, there's a need for volume. Um, so when we were doing the, in February, when we started this, that was my kind of thought process is that this is something I wanted to make in large quantity and be able to share uh, with a lot of people. And it was going to be holiday gifts for that. So, and, and knowing my, my need for patience, we had to start it early so that it would be ready in time for the holidays. So, I mean, this is, uh, I don't remember which honey we use. I think it's uh, Golden Nectar, Swarm Buster's Golden Nectar. <clears throat> but it's allspice berries, uh, cinnamon, and cloves. And all my favorite things. I get a very faint nuance on the nose of just those spices. So it's kind of a warming experience. Mm-hmm. And there's also some sort of a creaminess that comes out on the nose. I don't know whether it's just power of suggestion. I'm thinking cashew, but there's this creaminess. There's no cashew. On the nose. There's no cashew. I know there's no nuts in here, but there's almost there's like this creaminess in the nose to it, um, which is which is nice and 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 which is nice and really a positive experience through it. Yeah, I really wanted something that was kind of reminiscent of holiday without going pumpkin, right? Because everybody mm-hmm. does the pumpkin thing when you get into the fall. And did it want it to be overwhelming or, excuse me, or overpowering, you know, with cloves or the allspice berries. So just getting that combination right so that it was... It's very subtle, but it's really good. Thank you. (laughs) I would say, yes, you get the honey. Because you don't want to lose the fact that this is a mead, right? Right. Absolutely. That's why I don't do dry meads. You know, my personal opinion is if you knock all the sugar out of it, you might as well be drinking white wine. And white wine's cheaper to me. Yep. So why? To that point, you get the fact that honey stands up and says, I'm here. Mm-hmm. You get this the herbaceousness of the honey that you're using. And then those spices that you talk about come in and just warm the palate. I'm going to reference when you go to Wegmans. One of the things that Wegmans is known for is they'll in the fall, they'll put out all of their cinnamon, like their cinnamon wreaths. Yep. And you like you can't get that out of your nose, and it's just a wonderful way to start shopping. And in this case, there's just a hint of those spices here that just warms your mouth and stays with you and just stays there. I, I can't wait to taste the rot gut because <laughs> I, I, I want to taste a bad mead from you guys. I really do. Yeah, Thank I promise you. you, you're welcome to any of these that we've already this opened my to clear your palate after the after that one. No, for holiday time. And where That's you were perfect. going with, this yeah. is wonderful. Thank you. Yeah. This is, And I think if Santa had this and were able to give out his gifts for the baby Rudolph, I think he would have gotten some uh, points there. Excellent. Yeah, some extra Good. points. Oh, shoot, I got to finish one, don't I? Sorry. I'm kind of curious to see what two lost souls. The, the one Again, benefit this has, to... it's been aged. The, I mean, so it's been bottle conditioned. Yeah, uh, yes. yeah, this is not, this one's not young. Uh, this is probably our... I'm going to guess it's somewhere around our 10th brew. Somewhere in, if I looked at my book, I could tell you. Oh, you can smell it. You know, that almost, the one we were just tasting, 
The kingling. King of jingling. This is what happens after four glasses of mead. Um, you almost, I, I'm almost like, oh, wow, I would love to have a little bit of apple cider yeah. and that have that warmed up with a cinnamon stick and do something with that. That that just, that there's like this cider nature that just came out on that last mouth feel of that pour that I had, just that, that last taste. That was nice too. The one thing I like, I we were just looking over the recipe because we're going to redo this. And something I didn't realize is there's no nutmeg in it, which I think mm. helps keep it from being pumpkin spice. You know what I mean? Like right. everybody does pumpkin spice. This is not quite, it's kind of in that family, but it's not actually yeah. pumpkin spice. And I think the absence of the nutmeg. Mm. All right. My first experience with this is it presents like a sour, a sour yeah, beer. Definitely. Yeah, this is Two Lost Souls. Um, okay, this is Two Lost Souls that again. Was named because I it was cashew blueberry and I lost them. Okay. So. <laughs> <laughs> no, but on the nose, if you again, if you didn't, if you didn't build up the hype on this <laughs> and just waited to see my experience, like I would have said, "Wow, you you've poured a really you know I'm, I'm expecting a sour beer with this. This is what I'm expecting out of this. Could be. I'm curious myself. All right, there is some fruitiness on the nose to that. Again, I get more ethanol here than I do anything else. What was the proof on this? Uh, 13.4, but so, I think it's higher. As it bottle condition in some of the residual yeah, sugars sure got eaten? It just tastes higher as far as I know. I, I get peanut butter and jelly. Wow, you do. Yeah. Holy cow. Yes. You really do. And then it kind of gets sour and funky at the end. Mm-hmm. It's it is not, smoothing out a little. It's bit. not terrible. It's not. It really We've had isn't. worse. Come on, you <laughs> yeah, really wanted this to be terrible, <laughs> it's isn't really it? Really not terrible. Well, when well, we when had we it first, before, it was young. Yeah, because it does. It, it, it brings was, you back mm. to like a peanut butter and jelly sandwich. It really does. That cashew comes out as it really. All right, I'm not going to say any more. But there is this <laughs> at the end. There is this. Um, I'm like, there's this off-putting dryness of flavor. I'm getting yeah, that. Right? I'm getting that too. I mean, at the end, it's like a stringent. It just, yeah. But still, as you go it's through, it's not horrible though. It's really not horrible. It was worse. It's well, and it's one favorite. of the things that you learn. And for anybody who's yeah. a home brewer who's interested in mead, if you have a terrible batch. Leave it alone for a year. Yeah. Yeah, don't throw it away. Don't throw it you away. You never know what's going to happen. I think yeah, this is a great example. And we've learned that just from watching different people on YouTube. It's like, let it age. Give it time. Because time can can correct all things. So, You're using yeast. Yes. To, I mean, there, is there a specific yeast that you search out for or that you've experimented with? I'm experimenting with pretty much everything. I went through, I have a, a Carmel printed out a list of yeast. I don't know where she got this Frenchie from. Or maybe, no, you didn't make it, but and I went through and looked for, basically, when I was looking, I was just looking at ABV, you know, so I was looking, and a selection, so like if it said, this yeast is good for red wine, and it's 13%, okay, I'll, I'll try that. This one's good for white wine, and 13%, I'll try that. Uh, so it's most of your normal cast of characters, a uh, couple of red stars, uh, 71B. 71B. It's the one we probably go to. Champagne well. yeast when we yeah. see to me, as you're talking about yeast, something that's not going to get lost, something like this, again, going for that peanut butter and jelly flavor, like Jersey Jersey sandwich. Spirits. Oh, yeah. We have oh, this, God. they do a peanut butter and jelly hooch. Really? I think it that's tastes what it's like called. a peanut butter jelly it, sandwich. It's phenomenal. Mm. It's amazing. Yes. And and you're almost there where you can call this. I mean, and you can it's, taste it like it's like bread. Like you can taste the bread with it too. Oh, cashew butter and jelly, and this becomes your cashew this and butter and jelly meat. Well, you could do a graham, this. graham cracker flavor. Actually, you get that graham cracker in your king. king I'm not, sorry. King I'm we need a simpler name. I get it. Yeah. Or that <laughs> becomes like another... That. That well, becomes... we did. We bottled an apple pie yesterday. Um, so that's very, very young. But in the apple pie, there's graham flavoring, um, which oh. is... Yeah. yeah, it's all experiments. I did see up at uh, the brewer supply place, the, they had, you know, flavorings to just try. And I only would go for something like that if it was something that I knew would be hard to do, like graham or... Uh, I. Some some of the nuts because I'd already had problems with this. Although I think I will try nuts again. I, apparently, 
We'll just bake them bake first. Them first okay. So you toast them a little bit, yep. bring out the oils would, and yeah. things like that. I would definitely try this again. I would tell you, this is something where I just keep wanting to go back I to know. this. Really? I really do. Well, I like it. With a bottle. <laughs> <laughs> I was actually thinking of just pawning them off on my like young nieces and nephews because they'll probably drink anything. <laughs> it's peanut butter and jelly. But we love you Try all. It. Yeah, Let yeah. me ask you a question. I mean, what I would say is we've now had a chance to enjoy your mead and share the podcast and introduce you to the world. And now they're going to be saying, well, where do I get this? And they're, you're going to have to tell them, sorry, you can't unless – you show up somewhere where maybe you live or maybe you don't. I don't know. Or possibly, who knows? I mean, at some point we're going to. We, I have. We have to make larger batches. But I mean, at some point, uh, she's not going to stop till we at least do some competitions. So yeah, so, we'll start doing competitions. on have festivals. Yeah, things like right. that. Like, but, but here's what happens for you. And I will be look. If you if you want positive, if if you want honest feedback, mm-hmm. if you want honest feedback. You're making some amazing meat. Thank you. Unique, flavorful, full of flavor. And this is something that for for part of what I do, if you're familiar with who Les Brown is, Mm -hmm. he talks about, you know, all these ghosts that show up by his bedside. And he says, well, who are you? And they say, we are all of your hopes and dreams. He's on his deathbed and you let us die with you. Mm. Duck Butts Meadery. The public would love to enjoy your mead. Are you ready to allow that to go with you as a hobby? Or are you comfortable with the fact that at one point you're going to introduce this to the world? You're going to win awards and people are going to say, now what do we do? (laughs) (laughs) Well, I'm confident that we will win awards. I think we've got a good product. Even if you don't. Even if you don't win any awards. Right. To be honest with you, Carmel, yeah. this is great mead yeah. that you're making. And I know that you're taking the time. And as you said, Jonathan, you're very detail-oriented. Yes. And to me, that's why this is really exceptional mead. Because you take the time to think it through, not stick all the ingredients together and hope. You already have an outcome in mind, right? Oh, absolutely. Right. And you learn something through whatever is a characteristic of who you are. To say, this is how I'm going to approach this as you approach everything else. Probably, yeah. But you've created something now that out of COVID, yeah, that's really good. I would say follow, some, follow us on social media. Right? Follow us because on social media. We, we, we will get there. We will get to the place where we are able to distribute and that we can go to different farmers markets and things of that nature. So follow us on social media. There is uh, maybe an opportunity that we can do an exchange or let somebody try something uh, at some point in time. So I would definitely say that's the best way at this point in time. And maybe a year from now, we get back together and tell you where we're at. This is exciting for you, isn't it? It is. Very much. It's nice to know for where you are. I mean, obviously, your friends and family and everybody, what they're saying to you is true. You're making a great product. And who knows, like, the future is in your control as to however you want to take that. Right? Absolutely. So you're on the socials. This has been a treat for Dawn and I. Thank you for allowing us to come into your home and share your hobby and your passion. We get to share our hobby and our passion with you as Mm -hmm. well. And what we say on the podcast is we look forward to all great things or all the things that are going to happen. And... Where I would say is, yeah, now we get to see, oh, when we met with Duck Butts back in December 29th of 2021 and look at where they are now. Yeah. <laughs> so maybe. We'll see. <laughs> or, or, or I'm retired in Aruba and all this behind. Well, if you're in Aruba, hopefully you bring whatever bottles yes. you've made with the corks on <laughs> and just enjoy life because that's what it's all about. And we just get to enjoy life with you. So thank you so much for taking the time to be on your podcast, sharing your hobby and your passion with us. And uh, we can't wait to see what more happens. So cheers. Cheers. Thank you. Cheers. Thank you. There you go.